Hello, this is Alvaro with another episode of the Barcelona Creatives Podcast. I think we're going to change the name maybe to the Barcelona Creatives Network. I think that might be more fitting because we are a bunch of people and becoming a very large network of creators that are sharing ideas. If you're watching the scroll, it's very exciting to see how people are sharing ideas, events, and people are joining in and reacting to it. So I think it's, uh, I'm going to, maybe we might change the name. I don't know. Either way. Uh, today's recording is of a recording that we created for the second network event. We had a meeting after the first event and we realized that people did like it, but we also decided that we should make more available for people as creators. So we decided uh, to create a model where we would have a networking event where we would get together and have a good time, but with the added value of being able to learn from one another. So yes, networking is easy. We pick a location, we get together, we have a couple of drinks, we have some fun but we decided we want to do something a little, a little more than that. So we invited some live artists. We had some body painting going on by Anubis. If you, if you can see his work, I'm going to put it in the show notes. Please take some time and see his work. It's amazing. And secondly, we uh, invited through the network. Um, Kata was able to get this connection. We were able to have a director from a recent movie called The Burning Cold. And Santi uh, was was more than happy and willing to come in and talk about his experience as a director and the process. And you will find this talk to be very interesting from where he started and where he is and some insights about not being afraid to get out of the status quo and make something happen. Uh, the recording sometimes can be difficult to listen to because people that were asking questions weren't necessarily mic'd up. And so you might have to turn it up to hear some of those questions. Also, there is some uh, trailer that was shown during the interview. I have linked up in the show notes a, a YouTube link so you can watch what we are watching. And also there are some snippets to Orson Welles and John Cleese that I will also add into the show notes so you can see what we were all seeing during the episode. So Santi, I can't thank you enough for your availability and your willingness to come into this group and share what you know. We thought it was a great talk and we look forward to you being a part of the group and interacting in the future. So enjoy it and have a good time. Uh, one last thing before I start, uh, remember if you are willing to come on and talk about what you do as a creator, this podcast is open source and uh, open to you for free. So just give me some time, come in, let's talk about it. Let's talk about what you do, what your industry is doing, and how you can involve it into the network. Um, it's a lot of fun, and we're loving this process. So enjoy this interview, and we'll be seeing you soon. Thanks. Guys, thanks for coming. Um, apologize for my rusty English, so maybe I will get stuck finding the right word or expression, so thanks for, for being mercy on me. Anyway, I cannot show you the whole film because it has been released in, in movie theaters a few weeks ago until last week. And as Alvaro said, it will be in the platforms in the upcoming months, but uh, we're gonna show you the trailer just to put you in context before the talk, all right? So here it is. Mare de 
gusta a mí, que se ¿Qué pasa, Antoni? ¿Qué es lo que está haciendo? No se puede quedar aquí donde te usa. No es un parell de días. ¡Ah! 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 Necesiten manos tresudos, además los ponen muertos. Andorra los debes tener orillas. Y ves a saber si ahora les dará la mitad del pueblo y no están corriendo. ¡Guten Morgen! Que tenía una familia de jueus tancados al cap de casa. No dejaré que ningún te haga mal. Y yo te estimaré más que a ningún en todo el mundo. Es el lloc más seguro. ¿Más seguro por aquí, Antonio? Yo no puedo ver que te a un hijo. Una vez que voy a matar una familia sin ser amables porque he tenido por. Vas a tener esa hermana lluny de eso de Can Río. Si te hubieses casado con aquel desgracia, te tendrías todo lo que pudieses. Wow, right? So we're going to talk, and then we're, at the end we're going to have a question and answer. Uh, so please, uh, uh, this is an opportunity for you as well, so where you can ask him a question. If nothing else, at the end you can ask him personally, but a lot to talk about here. Uh, what a way to set this up. Uh, obviously you did not start just, hey, I'm going to just make a film, and you guys get together, and we're going to get together some filmmakers and do it. Obviously, this was a process for you in getting to where you are now as far as being a director for such a film. When you were younger, I'm going to start kind of in the back and kind of work the process through. When you were younger, what inspired you to create such films? And, and, and you laugh now, but it's like, yeah. Right. So what, how, how did it all start when you were younger? I, I guess you don't choose the, the films you want to make. I guess the films choose you in some mysterious ways. Uh, in my case... Um, I knew I wanted to be a film director. I'm not, I, I'm not calling myself filmmaker. I don't know what a filmmaker means exactly. I think it's a, um, a word that has been overused by many uh, creative profiles. But a film director is a something very, very um, specific. You know? It's a director of films, a, a, a director who makes films. You know? Uh, and I want, I want to consider myself a film director. That's very specific. I like to be very specific. And that's because I feel that way since I, I was very little, since I, uh, since I was a child. And this is a long distance run, and it, it takes a whole life, you know. In, in many ways, when I was a child, I, I just knew it, you know. And so what film did you first see that made you go in that direction? I remember, uh, of course, I remember um, seeing E.T., you know, Spielberg's 
also some Walt Disney's movies, uh, Star Wars. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a Star Wars uh, baby, something like that. And also 2001 by Kubrick. It, it was a, a very impressive experience for me as a child. As a child, that's as kind of child. impressive because yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. Not, that's pretty. As a child, and and and, and since then, the, the monolith is still comes with me everywhere. So, so tell me about the smaller films you made prior to this. Uh, well, the thing is that when I was uh, young, you know, a teenager, I even started to shoot many short films, and and I started very young in the industry, uh, shooting also commercials and TV shows. And stuff like that. That's why I'm, I'm you know, I, I say that it takes a whole life, you know, and and I knew it when I was a child, and I still now. Uh, maybe I don't know where I'm going to, you know, but it's part of the trip. It, it's part of the journey, you know. This is a journey. So um, at one point you start making films with what you got, you know, even short films, even silly ideas. But the, the thing here, the key is to keep shooting as much as you can because that's a process. You have to trust the process. You know, you have to learn the craft. You know, you have to make as many mistakes as, as you can, you know. So, so what was your first job in the film industry and, and how did you feel when you got that job? Well, um, okay. I've been in all departments. Uh, I've been a grip, I've been a spark, I've been a production assistant, I've been a script, I've been a script writer. Um, I did everything. I, I was a focus puller for a while. Uh, you know, I, I, I do my own camera work many times, etc. So I went through all the departments because for me this is a, a craft. This is not something you can learn going to a film school. I'm, I'm quite against film schools because this is a craft. This is not a, something you go to a college and you pay like a huge amount of money, you know, uh, to become to become a, a filmmaker. No, 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 no. You are a filmmaker because um, somewhere in your childhood you decide that you're going to be a filmmaker, you know. In my case, it was like a vocation, like a, a, cal a calling, you know, something like that. I mean, it, it just happened because I, I don't have uh, uh, an artist family. I, I don't. I don't. I don't come from an artistic background, whatever. So I, I did it all by myself. So it's a quest. It's you know, it's a matter of faith or something. It's because you have to trust. As I as I told you, you have to trust the process. You know, you don't know where you're going, but just you just trust the process. So uh, when when you have to learn the craft. You are eager to work in all positions, right? Sure. You know, I even uh, I even made um, porn films. You know, I was there. You know, I I, I wrote. I, I was a scriptwriter for you, pornographic you, films. How do you, you know? even write that? It's <laughs> well, that's a good question. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good question. Get on top, go on bottom. And... No, 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 that's a good question. Um, excuse me. <laughs> uh, no, it, it, it's an interesting story. It's a funny story. Um, it is. It is. I mean, and and I have uh, I have a great memory of that period of time, uh, and <laughs> and I was a witness. You know, I, I wasn't a player, but I was a witness, and I can tell you it was as hard as to make any other kind of uh, films. I mean, the only difference is that the people fuck for real, but that's it. You know. Uh, everything else is such uh, a hustle and, and so hard, also. 
uh, you spend many hours and you know you you spend many hours in a room full of humanity you know something <laughs> and that smells and but anyway uh, I was called by um, by um, a, a classic uh, Spanish porn film director who wanted to create a new kind of porno uh, pornographic films 20 years ago and there was a new generation of actors and among them was Nacho Vidal. Nacho Vidal is probably, you may hear of him, he was like a big star of porn film for, for the last maybe 25 years or something. I mean, he, he was huge everywhere, worldwide, you know, Nacho Vidal. Um, kind of hillbilly who become uh, a great uh, porn film star. I mean, amazing people, freak people, but anyway, <laughs> that's the world we, we live, you know? And this man wanted to create something different, like, okay, let's make a, a thriller. Let's make um, a movie about a, a group of three girls who run away from some criminals, you know? And it was like a, a run and chase movie, but with a porn run and chase movie. <laughs> and they caught him, I assume. Yeah, yeah, many times, uh, and they fight and they fuck, and you know it's 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 crazy, and we wrote it. I mean, me and my partner at the time, and it was full of of these uh, amazing and very silly uh, dialogues. You know, of course, it, it was like uh, an excuse, you know, for for getting to the important thing, you know. But sure. it was quite original, and we got some uh, car. Uh, chases and some stun fights and things like that, you know. So it was funny. Uh, so, so what did you learn from that process of creating that? A lot, actually, a lot. Because to shoot a, a, a porn film, it's very tricky, very, very complex. You know, it, it's all about angles. <laughs> you, you need to get the right angle. No, serious. I mean, I'm fucking serious, you know? <laughs> and you got the time you got. I mean, you know, the, the guys are performing there. I mean, you know, they go for the action, they go for real, and you got to, you need to get, get it done, you know? And sometimes you need to be very careful with the hair, or, you know, something because you have the camera and you have a close-up, and maybe you don't see the face of the girl because, you know, the hair, and then someone comes and say, hey, we are not seeing her face, and she's going to go, you know, she's going to do something. So, so what do you do at that moment? You're like, time out? Not really. It's you who has to adapt into the situation. You know, you have to be hurry. You have to be fast. You have to learn really fast the, the, the craft, you know? Yeah. And, and things like that. I mean, I was the script writer, but also I was a um, um, second unit director. So I was directing porno, you know, porno scenes. And it was very tricky because how do you address to the actors and uh, in what way or fashion you talk to them? Like when, when you, you are like 18 and you are, you are a very shy boy and like, oh, all right, you should. And, and <laughs> can you please? And, and, and they are like, like very mature people and they are smarter than you and like, hey, yeah, I got it, guy, go, come on. Nah, you should, you should, you know. I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to give it to you. Come on, be ready, be ready, motherfucker. You know? And, <laughs> and one of the, 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 the bigger uh, uh, fights uh, I faced in my life was in this shooting. Uh, uh, the bronca. Bronca is a skull, to be a skull, right? Um, we were shooting a, 
um, a group scene with many couples fucking around. And there's this actor, a uh, French actor, and he goes like, in a, in a run, he was very mad and he was, stop, stop, stop. And you, pointing at me, I was like, you know, I was with my camera crew, you, don't you see, don't you see? And I was like, what, what? not working, you know, it's not working, I'm not ready, I'm not ready, and I was like, what, oh, yeah, yeah, that's right, yeah, no, 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 let me ask you something, do you make a living of your dick, and I was like, answer me, do you make a living out of, you know, of your dick, and no, well, I do, and I'm not ready, so you have to wait, motherfuckers, I was like, well, he was right. And, and the, the director came and said, hey, let, yeah, yeah, let us stop for a while, you know. G give him space and time. And, and Don't they call those fluffers? Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's right. And that happens. Call the fluffer, yeah. yeah. That happens, you know. So these kind of experiences um, make, make you grow in, in, all as, in all aspects, you know. It makes you uh, realize the the timing in cinema. And it doesn't matter if it's a porn film or any other kind of genre. Th thank you for that, because I was about to, like, how am I going to transition from that to this amazing film? Which, you know, it's, it's the process, well, I, right? I, I, you, you know, I, I'm, I'm not ashamed of, of my past. No, 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 not that you're ashamed. I'm just no, trying no, to no, figure I'm out ashamed. the... But at that time, many people in the crew use... Uh, fake names, you know? They didn't want to use the real names because they were shy and they, they didn't want to, sh to mix, you know? And I was like, okay, the director, is the director using his real name? Yes, he was, so I'm, ah. I was, you know, I, I do as well. So, um, great experience, obviously. I'm very brave. You should, you know, you should appreciate that. Right? I, no, no, I, I do. So, uh, when did you get a call? Um, we were having a conversation earlier about this film and that you co-wrote it. That you co-wrote it, and uh, the, the original writer had written a play about it. Right. And how did you get involved with it? And how did you take up? Were Were you offered to be director, or was it just kind of known that you were going to direct yeah, the film? Well, the script writer Agusti Frank, he uh, wrote uh, a play based on on inspired by real events at the time in Andorra in, in, in during the 40s and during the Second World War. And, and then he thought that it could be a good idea to, 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 you know, to make and produce a film, you know, to make a film adaptation. And he called me like, okay, how do you feel about this? And I said, as long as I can make it mine, you know, and I can bring all my stuff and my senses and my, you know, my, my criteria, let's do it, you know. I mean, it is more important, nowadays it's more important to shoot and, and get, you know, get things done and wait to, for the right project or for your perfect project or whatever, you know. How is it funded? Um, grants from the Catalan government, also grants from the Andorra government and some uh, private in, in investors. Right. Yeah. So, what, so how, what 
Was it a, a series of applications that you had to go through? Was it someone that... Yeah, yeah. yeah. There is all bureaucracy nowadays. I mean, you have to go through, you have to pitch the film to a committee, a committee or, you know, commission of experts or whatever, you know. You have to convince them that the, the, the movie is worth to... to so earlier to you and I were talking about film. We were talking about the process of film and how Hollywood, for example, uh, is kind of looking at the data of the way, the prop, the way that films are, are created nowadays. I think this battery might be running out. Mm -hmm. But the, the process that it, in making a film and they're looking at the data and the way that they look, they don't look at the extreme sides, they look at the script, they look at the way that it's processed, they look at if it's going to make money. So they look kind of in the middle of films that have already been created and they find out what successes have been created and, and they usually want to follow that script. Um, I know that you have a problem with that um, and I appreciate that because I think that is what makes you edgy as a director. And uh, give us some um, ideas about your the types of films you, you prefer to make. Well, I have many, many problems nowadays. I, I, I believe that we are living in a very weak moment as a society, um, very fragile. And as a spectator, I, for me, it's very hard to find films or art in general, even books or plays, whatever, that, that are strong and that they have personality and character, two qualities that I really, really miss uh, as a spectator. And that, what's, that, that, that is my, my main goal, you know, to, to, to try and make movies with personality and character. This movie may be good or bad, but at least it has some guts, it's, it got some personality, you know. You can feel that behind the, in these images, uh, there is someone who wants to take you in a ride, you know, in a kind of very serious and very um, visceral, you know, uh, journey. So, if you're gonna spend, or, or if you're gonna ask the audience um, to spend the next couple of hours in something you made, you know, Let's make it worth it, you know. Let's 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 try to make feel people for real, you know. Because nowadays everything is so politically correct, even mainstream films, outdoor films, whatever, you know. Everything is so mm, so funny, you know, so pretentious, so um, tacky and and superficial in many ways, you know. Everybody is like pretending to be this great artist or whatever. But it's just a bunch of bullshit, you know. The other day I was watching this movie, uh, Bardo, by uh, Alejandro González Iñárritu, in Netflix. And it's a fucking piece of bullshit, you know. <laughs> Bardo, Bardo. And, and the guy is so full of himself, you know. It's so really pretentious, and, but at the same time it's so empty, you know. It's, he pretends to, to be so eloquent and telling you that... the. I don't know, it's about his life or whatever, you know, in a very dreamy way. But it's just a bunch of lies about himself, even. The, the topic that we talked about, that we obviously see, we were talking about the Second World War. I think you had some very interesting thoughts about uh, Schindler's List, which uh, when I heard you say it, uh, I think it was good because we are tomorrow's Red Oscar, right? And uh, Schindler's List obviously won like eight or nine, I can't remember, but... Uh, you 
gave me a new perspective on it. That you said that it, the way that it was created, Spielberg, which obviously you're a fan of because of the movies that you mentioned earlier with E.T. Um, you uh, give me your feedback on that. On, on what well, you... I th I believe I think he is a great storyteller, but I um, I got some problems with with his films. Um, most of them because he always I don't like movies with with more than one ending, and Spielberg films usually have offer more than one, you know, because there is a, the ending and then there is a kind of a pillock or whatever, you know, he's always, he, it seems like he doesn't know where to stop, you know, and put an end, something, I, I, it's something that bothers me. In the case of Schindler's List, all right, this is a very unpopular opinion, all right, because Schindler's List is probably the most famous or popular movie about the Holocaust, all right? Okay, I, 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 I have very, uh, kind of very complicated relationship with that movie because in my opinion, of course the movie is very well uh, done and, and it, it, uh, it shows how a great storyteller he is. But that movie is not about the Holocaust, all right? All right? I mean, Stanley Kubrick said, that movie is not about the Shoah or the Holocaust because the movie offers a happy ending. And the Holocaust is not about a happy ending. You know, it, it never ends well, you know, and that's, the, that's key for me. When, when you approach a Holocaust, you, I don't like the way he, he did it in a very Hollywood way. It kind of glamorized the, the Nazis even. You know, even when you are watching the movie, and at one point you are fascinated by the Nazi, Ralph Fiennes. And it, 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 I remember it, it made me feel very, very um, uneasy, you know? It, it was, um, I don't know, for me... It, what was it, the scene when he was in the, looking in the mirror? Yeah, everything. And I mean, it's so fascinating. It's, yeah. it's so glamorous, you know? Did that film influence the film? No, because no. the Nazi here, it's never uh, a, a real portrait. The Nazi here, it's, um, it's more inspired and based on Klaus Kinski and the Bernard Herzog movies, all this kind of uh, maybe over-the-top performance, you know? And I, I didn't want to be real because in this movie... Um, the, the Nazi, it's the wolf of the tale, you know, and, and, and the girl is, is, is the little reading hood, you know. This is, the, in, in, some, in many ways, the movie is, is a kind of, 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 of a tale about the, the, the wolf and, and, and the little read. When I saw you on Tuesday, uh, we had a couple of quick conversations about the future of film. And I wanted to share it with you because uh, as creators, we're all dealing with new, a new reality of, of creation. Uh, specifically, I want to talk about the AI aspect of filmmaking, of creating photography, portraits. Uh, I, you, I, you gave me some really interesting insights into what you believe AI is and then the future of everything I just mentioned. Um, can you give us some insight into what you believe the future is when dealing with AI, dealing with film, um, and give us your thoughts on that? Well, I, I, I want to be optimistic about the future, right? I mean, I don't want to join the, the, the dark or, uh, theories or 
uh, I, I don't want to I don't want to join the the um, conspiracy theories or whatever you know. Of course, the the future offers us uh, offers uh, great challenges, and and it, it's at one point it's very it's full of enigmas, you know. I mean, it, it's a noun, and even even more today with so much technology all around us. I believe we'll face another uh, Ludit, um, the, you know, the Ludit um, at, at the, in the 18th century with the industrialization of, of Europe. Um, uh, a group of Ludits, which were, um, the name is based on, on, on the leader of this uh, uh, resistance movement against the machines and uh, against the mechanization of the factories, you know. Industrial revolution. That's, yeah. that's, that's, that, yeah, that's right. So I think we're going to go through uh, something similar against the robots and against the AI, probably. But it, it, it's, you know, it's an, unstoppable right now. I mean, everything, it, it's affecting all areas of society and, and, and work and, you know, all labor positions, um, many thousands of people these days. Uh, probably you'll, you'll hear about the, the, these great companies fighting people like Google, Facebook. You know, even. Um, but you know, here, here's the interesting thing. I found you, our conversation optimistic, in that we were talking about AI and what it can do, and what it cannot do, when wow. when when looking at art, and obviously it. It's, it, we played on the word steals information. It still has information that it's grabbing from all over the web. Right. But it's not the creator. It's putting stuff together. It's not intelligent yet. I mean, the, you know, the, 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 AA, the AI uh, nowadays is working with the big data, you know, but it's not thinking. It's not um, getting its own conclusions. It's not feeling, all right? So, as I told you, many people is being fired today because um, the optimization, the, the robots, the AI is taking place, you know. So, still, I want to be optimistic because we cannot change the, the human feeling, the human touch, you know. And when we are talking about creation, art, or whatever, and maybe, I don't know, are we going to let the machines... Mm, do the art for us or something? Even even today, when 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 all the media is full of of this news about oh, uh, see what the AA is is capable of doing, like with paintings or pictures or something like that. I mean, but you you take a look, you you know, you you see it, and what what do you feel? You feel nothing. You feel empty. You feel like all right, this is a um, a child's exercise, you know. Um, by a machine or something like that. I mean, I mean, but it's not. There is no real value, you know. When when you see when you are in front of an art work made by human, right? You feel the gesture, right? You feel the hands. You feel the the eyes. I mean, you feel the eyes of the artist moving around the painting, right? Go, going through the limits. I mean, it's how interesting is if a machine will do it, when, when, when a machine will do this, you know, I don't know. But I'm not interested either, I mean, what the fuck? I mean, uh, also, at one point, if the machines will make everything, what are we gonna do? I mean, what? 
Are we going to stay at home watching Netflix? In, or or on, trust on in Hal, Hal 2000, right? That's right. Yeah, that's right. All right. Um, so I'd like to open this up to some questions and answers. So hopefully some of us have some questions. Feel free. It's open. Uh, what was your uh, budget on this movie? 1.2. What was your bottom line? Um, well, it, it is a very, very cheap movie. It is very, very, very cheap. I mean, being a, a period film, it, it involves a lot of things. I mean, uh, the sets, the wardrobe, the vehicles, you know, everything. And, and it was very, also, from a, a logistic point of view, it was very complicated because we were shooting uh, up in the mountains and it was very kind of tricky to access, you know, some to some to the mountains when we needed to find the, the snow and it was very, very expensive and very time-consuming. Uh, I know, like in the U.S., SAG, they're like extras make a minimum of 500 a day. Yeah. What do they make here in Spain? The extras? Yeah. Uh, good question. Uh, probably under 100. Under. Under. An actor like her, she's now a very well-known actress. She's quite famous now. She's probably, being a low-budget movie, she was getting paid like 30 k You give points? 30. 30,000. 30, for the fall? Yes. Five weeks shootings. Five weeks for a day? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. That's that's very uncommon. I mean, if you if an act, if you have an actor shooting for one day, you have to negotiate that. Oh. It's not gonna be much, but you you don't have uh, an actress like here coming for one single day. You have you give points uh, when, when paid No fucking way. No. no. Um. <coughs> Oh yeah, is it based on a true story? Like, did the Nazis really go into no. Andorra looking for people? No, it's based on real um, events. It's inspired. I mean, we know that the Nazis came to Andorra because they were um, um, they were chasing um, Jews, you know, that crossed the Pyrenees, running away from the the war. But but everything else is fiction, you know. Maybe the background, the historical background, is real, but everything else, it's fiction. I like I like to 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 make it clear, you know. This is a fiction movie; it's not a documentary. So when you are working within the fiction, uh, it's much better when you are you, you when you are facing historical events, you know. Um, that's that's why I tell you that the, the Nazi portrait is pure, pure fiction. I, I would never do it this way if I should do a, a documentary. That's that's my one of my my complaints with Spielberg. So it's like a it is. Yeah. Uh, and just real quickly, how did you? Was it awkward getting these swastikas on uniforms and mm -hmm. and, and kind of convinc convincing people that we're doing this for a movie and we're not? Using this for any other uses? Well, yeah, they are. They they actually exist. I mean, the the prop people uh, keep them. I mean, you can um, you can rent them. I mean, you know, it's part of the deal. I mean, you, you, when you need to recreate 
all these spasticas, flags, and things, they exist. I mean, they, they are in a, in a warehouse. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Is this working? Push it, the button up. Hello? Uh, I like the comment that you made, like, we're living in a weak time right now. Right. Because I, I, I kind of agree. Um, especially in the sense of, like, art and film and stuff like that. And my personal opinion is that, you know, like, a big reason for that, especially from the American context where I'm from, um, is that in the creative process, um, these kind of politically correct ideas and intentions and agendas are kind of the, maybe the filtering force or driving force behind a lot of the decision making. So for instance, you might have like a television show and they're like, okay, we wanna hit certain demographics or we even wanna, you know, put an agenda out there. We wanna show, hey, here's the, here's the woman who beats up all the people or something like that. Cause women can also be the violent ones or whatever. I don't know, it's just an example. Um, so I was curious about your creative process you know, in connection to those kind of ideas, like, how do you, how did, how did your kind of creative process, I don't know, you, you mentioned kind of resisting, kind of doing that kind of thing in a way, uh, and yeah. being like a counterbalance to that. Yeah. It'd be interesting right. to hear more uh, right. about that kind of Many things idea. here in your question, uh, very interesting. Um, I think you have to trust your process. You have to, to keep loyal to yourself. Uh, as you said, everything is based on an agenda or agendas, you know? Everything is getting um, ideological and politically and everything is going to the extremes. And we are, I don't know why, we are buying all the arguments and the narrative, you know? We are participating on that as a people. I don't know why. Maybe because fear, maybe because, you know, we we feel that we need to follow some stream of opinion or whatever, you know. Fuck it, man. I mean, you know, it comes and goes. It comes and goes. I don't want to be prisoner of, of that ideas, you know, because one day soon they they will change these ideas for some others, you know. And and we 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 are living and telling the same stories for thousands of years, you know. And why some of my ideas now all of a sudden becomes unpopular or whatever, or maybe you are pointing at you like, no, no, you, you're going to be canceled. What, what, what's this cancel culture? Why they say cancel when, when they want to say censor? Why is that? You know, why we are becoming the new Puritans? What the fuck is going on? You know, we are living in a democracy, right? So free of speech and all these things that America, you know, um, gave us to the rest of the world. So, so now it's going backwards. You know, it's it's very weird, um, strange times. Yeah, we we know? talked about that. How it's becoming a bit bland. Uh, there's Everything. not a lot of color. Uh, it's kind of shallow. We're looking at data points that pretty much construct. Right. And but what about make, art? Okay. What about right. art? Yeah. What about it, it the isn't artist? just about data points anymore. Right. Or it, excuse me, it is about data points, but we don't want it to be because it is about art, self-expression. There's not a lot of original. There's a lot of remakes. 
It's, it's data that tells us that. I, I, I got the feeling everything is a remake. E even yeah. you know, even in, in literature, even in yeah. on TV, on plays, whatever. I mean, uh, you know, it's a remake, and also we are going back to mm, I don't know to to. Um, I mean, it seems like we run out of ideas. You were talking about the risk, right? Well, I think it's uh, also a matter of predictability of profit. Absolutely. And repeating what has proven profitable in the past is the easiest way to predict success. All right. So then. Trying something completely new. Okay. Is, uh, All right. If that's true. What's the artist's attitude? What's the artist's goal? The artist is experimenting, trying, trying. That's not happening. That's not happening. That's not happening. Artists, so the so-called artists, are spending a lot of millions of dollars making um, movies, very uh, funny and silly, and they are trying to sell you as a great piece of art. But at the end of the day, they they, they are nothing. And what's, I mean, can you, can you tell, can you say some great movie you've seen recently? No, I haven't seen it. Anyone? Uh, you want to fight? I, I saw one named... The Whale? Uh, the Whale? Yeah. I fucking hate The Whale. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm fucking, uh, yeah, I'm going to tell you that. I mean, it, it's the most disgusting, I mean, it's one of the most disgusting films I've ever seen. And I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think the, the director is a bad person. Period. Boom. <laughs> I mean, I mean, why, why do you have to portray um, in such a disgusting, repulsive way? Why do you need to be that pornographic and that sensationalist? Uh, to tell a fucking drama about a father and uh, and a daughter at the end of the movie, why do you need to be like that? All the characters there are so fucking mean and silly, and the director is sick, of course. I mean, Aronofsky has been always sick. I mean, his movies are I don't know. He's one of the most overrated film directors ever, and I don't buy that movie. I mean, for me, along with Blonde. The, the movie about Marilyn Monroe. Have you seen it? It's in, in Netflix. Yeah. I mean, it, it, these two, two movies are, an, are a great example of shit, of uh, filthy films, of um, films um, made to offend you in a very but not in a in a uh, not in a in spiritual way, but in a very basic and very dirty way. I mean, they are very dishonest movies. I mean, do you need to f to to show me uh, Brandon Fraser? I mean, the the, the the protagonist. You know, the main character in, the in that way. Uh, the way he's treated, uh, there is no compassion in that movie. And that fucking end. What is going on there? Come on, guys. I mean, really? I mean, 
you know, he's like bringing this kind of very funny spiritual, spiritual uh, view or something. Guys, come on. I mean, and, and Brandon Fraser, I'm sure he's going to win the Oscar tomorrow's night, but he doesn't deserve because he, his, his performance is full of tricks and, and, and you know, he, he, he went to the shooting with, with his back of tricks and, okay, well, you know, I need this to, to make, um, to cry the, the audience or whatever. I mean, everything is so, so pretentious also. It, it's so funny. I mean, I don't believe it. And, but there is a, 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 there is a movie that, that it goes in, a, in, in, in the opposite direction. There is a movie in the cinema now here, which I think it was released uh, last week. It's called To Leslie. It's also an American film by Michael Morris, and the, um, the main character is Andrea Riseboro, this English uh, actress. She's, she has been nominated also, and she is great. It's, it's a movie about an alcoholic, a self-destructive uh, woman. It's a, it's a drama, um, but at the end of the movie, something happened, and it's just beautiful. You know, it's not, it's not filthy or sordid per se, because the, the directors need to be dark as much as possible. You know, the darker, the better, and, you, you know, we are going to destroy you as a spectator, and there is no light, and there is no redemption, and, you know, but to Leslie... It's a it's a very kind uh, different it's a different kind of movie you know. Alida had a question. And Alida had a... Sorry guys. Okay. Uh, hi, I wanted to ask you uh, how do you handle the pressure of the process of filmmaking, uh -huh. and how do you also gather your crew? Do you have a usual people you work with, or you you want to change like you 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 seek like um, like for example I don't know Tim Burton works with his crew uh, for like many films. Mm -hmm. They have like your, your crew that you trust and you, you gather that crew and makes you feel less pressured or how is it? Yeah, I consider myself a, a stoic person. I always try to be in my center and try to, to put also some distance. You know, I, I try not to be affected by the emotions or my ego or whatever, I try to control, uh, to, to have under control all these uh, emotional factors here. And of course, I'm, I'm more like a dictator kind of director, all right? I don't believe in negotiating. I don't believe in this, all this modern bullshit about, uh, yeah, let's talk, let's, let's negotiate everything. No, 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 no. I believe in a hierarchic, it's, it's right, right? Hierarchic uh, organization. I mean, there is a director or a producer, a director, and then the rest of the crew. I believe that uh, still today, the films belong to the director because the director is the one who has a, uh, a gaze, a view, you know, and you have to commit to that view for better or for worse, whatever, you know, but, but there is one leader and the rest has to follow and the, the rest has to believe in, in this leader and they have to believe uh, in the process, you know, because making a film is quite an adventure. I mean, it's a vital adventure, you know. It, it's something that it will affect you in many, many ways, you know. I always tell my crews, like, okay, you better uh, come 
um, prepare, you know, physically and also mentally, because it's going to be hard, because it's going to be very demanding. Uh, will you will suffer, but in a few years you you'll look back and you'll remind this experience as as one of the best in your life, you know, because. To make something worth, it, it really costs not only money or time or talent, whatever. It, it, you know, it, it, it's very demanding. And you have to be very concentrated. You have to be focused. You have to give me the best years of your life, you know, the best energy, you know, because I'm going to take you to the fucking mountain and you're going you know, you're, you're to need to climb to, to get to the spot where we're gonna shoot, whatever, you know, I mean, it's gonna happen a lot of things. And, and Yeah, I, I am. Yeah, it's better to be down to earth. I mean, you have to tell the people. You have to be honest. You have to be. You have to tell the truth. The people who is going to come with you. You know, Bernard Herzog, the the great German uh, film director, told me once. He said to me, um, the kind of people like us make films to live. Uh, we. We never know if we make films to live an adventure or we live an adventure to make a film. And that's the thing, you know, that we live there. We live in that border. We, we live in that dichotomy, right? We, we, we don't know. Maybe we are living, uh, yeah, we are making a film, but also we are living uh, an adventure and, and, and the other way around, you know? And people, I mean, the key here is that, in my case, I need to find the right people. Not everybody wants to or feel the same way uh, about the business, about the craft, like me, of course. I try to. It's not, it's not easy, but I, I try to. Alisa. Well, it's tricky. You should have a local production company. That's that's the first thing. I mean, you you can be a foreigner, okay. but uh, you need to have a local company. So, in your case, is the script yours, or you just directed? No, it's mine. Oh, Co-writing. So you you went for the productions, or you wanted to do the whole? Um, no, no. In, in our case. Yeah, Fierce was the script, and then we went to look for a production company, okay. you know, to, to submit all the project for the, 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 the grants, the national grants. So where did you found the, the production? In Barcelona. Well, yeah. No, 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 we, we just called them. We, we, we just... Uh, met uh, several production companies and finally one of them showed some interest in this project. Oh. It's not easy, it's not easy, but, but well. And I also wanted to ask you how difficult it is to 
Are you an actress? Yes. All right. Um, do you speak Spanish or? All right. Um, it's all about directors, really. I mean, maybe they have a character that you fit in. But that's the thing, because I'm on a certain profile. Mm -hmm. I'm on Eastern European. Yeah. That's the. So even though I speak Spanish and maybe I can even learn the, the accent, mm -hmm. I'm still in that case. Right, right, so right. I don't have basically the same chances as a French. That's right. Yeah, yeah. And it happens everywhere like that. I mean, we are uh, living by cliches or, you know, in common places like that. And But you should go to all castings, no matter what. You should, you know, you, you need to show up and... And you, you, you need to make people know that you are, you are an actor and you are a great actor and you exist and you can do anything. Sure, but before going to the castings, you gotta go to the agency. Uh, well, to have an agent, it's good for casting calls. It's perfect, but it's difficult to get there. That's what I'm trying to say. Because they already are you in some agency? I'm not. I'm trying to. Oh, okay, okay. I can give you some references, or some some names. We'll see. I mean, sometimes they they need the you know your kind of profile. So, who know? Um. So my biggest question is, everyone here is a creative. Everyone here is trying to make something out of their art. For you, when you first started out, did you see yourself in this position right now? Did Always. you see yourself as almost being an influencer on other artists? Um, this is great. All right. Um, to answer your question and to complete your question, there is a clip from this interview with Orson Welles. Orson Welles, to me, is one of my gods. I mean, he's um, the kind of artist I admire the most. I mean, not because his work or his filmography, but his attitude. And this is a, a great uh, example of, of what I'd like to be, you know? to be the 
kind of artist they are. No, or no, no. No, no, don't, because I'm not, I'm not really, uh, uh, you know, I don't regard myself as fundamentally a professional, you know, anyway. I'm basically an adventurer. And those people who are serious and are professional, truly and deeply serious at the expense of every other value in life, are probably the people who make the biggest contribution to art. I certainly wouldn't like to be one of them. Do you believe in the principle of making a contribution? Yes. Do you think that by, in a sense, dividing yourself in this way, you are diffusing your contribution? Probably. Think that's a bad thing? No. Not a bad thing for me. It might be a bad thing for art, but since I don't regard art as of prime importance, I've answered your question. And the hell with posterity? Yes. <laughs> well, for me, that's the key. I mean, I, I want to be like that, you know? When, when I was a child, when I was a teenager, I, 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 I thought about this myth of the director, like Orson Welles uh, making a film with 26 years, you know, Citizen Kane, blah, 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 all this myth. But that's, that's not... That's not real that's that's not true that's it it doesn't uh, make you a better artist whatever i mean don't buy that bullshit you know because uh, he did citizen kane with 26 years because he was already awesome well he when he was 12 i mean you know when, when he was a child he was also already a, a brilliant artist you know he he was doing theater and radio and many other things you know so uh, at one uh, Shakespeare, right? Right, Shakespeare with, with black actors. I mean, the Macbeth in, in the Harlem uh, in the 40s. So, you know, he was already Orson Welles, you know, and you, you, you don't buy the myth of, of the, the young genius or whatever, you know. But I, I, I really believe more in this attitude. As I grow older, I want to be like that, you know, like, okay, work with your friends. Uh, as, as I told you, you know, just try to bring the people like you, you know, people, yeah, the energy and, and the loyalty, like him, you know, he, I believe in loyalty, you know, and when you see his films, it's exactly like that, you know, he, he doesn't think about the contribution, contribution to the art history or whatever, hey, it's fucking Orson Welles, right, I mean, <laughs> he's one of the best, you know, but just the attitude is the right way, I mean, I mean, the, what, what's the right way to go through life? All right, this is a, a good example, in my opinion. So, what do we think? First series, first of many talks I, that we're looking forward to having in the future. Santi, I can't thank you enough. I have uh, something else. Oh, you have something else. Okay, can right. I show you? Yeah, sure, yeah. Okay, can, can, can I share this clip by, uh, this is from an interview with John Cleese, ex-former Monty Python. He talks about Oops. All right. Uh, just hit okay. Hit okay? All right. All right. Let's go. I'm offended every day, for example. British newspapers every day offend me with their laziness, their nastiness, and their inaccuracy. 
But I'm not going to expect someone to stop that happening. I should just simply speak out about it. You know, that sometimes when people are offended, they want to just come in and say, right, stop that to whoever is offending them. And of course, as a former um, chairman of the BBC once said, there are some people one would wish to offend. And I think there's truth in that too. So the idea that you have to be protected from any kind of uncomfortable emotion is one I absolutely do not describe. Uh, subscribed to the fellow that I helped write to um, books about psychology and psychiatry. He was a renowned psychiatrist of London called Robin Skinner, said something very interesting to me. He said, if people can't control their own emotions, then they have to start trying to control other people's behavior. And when you're around super sensitive people, you cannot relax and be spontaneous because you have no idea what's going to upset them next. And that's why I've been warned recently, don't go to most university campuses, because the political correctness has been taken from being a good idea, which is let's not be mean, particularly to people who are not able to look after themselves very well. That's a good idea, to the point where any kind of criticism of any individual group can be labeled um, cruel. And the whole point about humor, the whole point about comedy, and believe you me, I've thought about this, is that all comedy is critical. Even if you make a very inclusive joke, like um, how would you make God laugh, answer, tell him your plans. Now, that's about the human condition. It's not excluding anyone. It's saying we all have all these plans which probably won't come, and isn't it funny how we still believe they're going to happen. So that's a very inclusive joke. It's still critical. All human is critical. If you start saying, we mustn't, we mustn't criticize or offend them, then humor's gone. With humor goes a sense of proportion. And then as far as I'm concerned, you're living in 1984. So that's the other part of, of the question. I mean, you know, we, we should never lose the sense of humor, you know. Thank you. This has been a production of the Barcelona Creatives Network.